Hi, I'm Chad Griffiths, and I'm pleased to announce that I'll be offering a membership slash mentorship program in 2024. It's going to cost $250 for the entire year, and it'll grant you uh, exclusive access to interviews with some CEOs, high producing brokers, economists, and really anybody that will help make your journey in industrial real estate that much more productive. And it will also have access to a wide array of professionals all across the world. I'm going to put a limit on this just so that it doesn't get to, to a crazy amount where we can still have a tight knit community. Uh, so sign up now. First guest will be mid January. And again, uh, members will have exclusive access to ask questions, uh, get to know other people in the forum and really just try to make this value add. $250, my plan will be that you get a multiple of value back in and, in and above that $250 cost. Uh, and again, that's for the whole year. So look forward to having you join and uh, really growing out this community and membership uh, in 2024. So put a link below. Uh, and if you have any questions, please reach out to me or Wyatt and we'd be happy to get back to you. Thanks. Look forward to a productive 2024. Hey, John, thanks so much for joining me on this call. We're really looking forward to chatting with you about industrial real estate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you've been in the business for a while and started as a broker, transitioned into ownership and now full-time into ownership. What, starting right at the beginning, why did you get started in industrial? What was the appeal or the attraction there? Uh, so I started at Knowlton Realty and uh, I was kind of given uh, three months to, to, to make my, my mark. And I originally started, uh, I looked at values and said, hey, well, you know, uh, retail is selling for 400 bucks a foot. I want to get into retail. And so I spent, uh, I spent three months pulling titles and researching and kind of doing all the things brokers do and making phone calls and trying to make my mark in retail. And then uh, Gerald Knowlton, who's an old grandfather of the industry, um, walked in and, and, uh, and looked at me for, uh, you know, basically after three months and I'd, I don't know how much company resources I'd spent on pulling titles and, and out countless hours, probably hundred hours a week in, in, you know, trying to make my mark in the industry. And he says, no, John, you know what? Um, I've looked at your profile. I've looked at you. Um, you are now an industrial guy. You're going to lead our industrial team here. And of course, back then there, there was nobody, uh, there was no industrial team. I was, it was an industrial team of one. So, uh, uh, and I'm going to hire another guy and, and you guys are, are going to be our Knowlton industrial team for Edmonton. And you're to focus hundred percent of your time on, on, uh, on industrial. I'm like, no, oh, okay, well, I'll just take all these files and throw them in the garbage <laughs> and away I went. So, so I, that's where I got my start in, in, in purely industrial as pretty much blinkered, um, uh, uh, blinkered on industrial. They used to have that term. I don't know if it's a common term today, but basically that's that's all you did. You 100% industrial. I, I started handling all of the investors group uh, buildings here and then all Prudential's buildings, uh, just all their leasing. So I started off as a leasing agent and uh, I grew, grew my knowledge and you know portfolio knowledge and stuff right from the get-go leasing industrial buildings um and mainly on the institutional side so under you know got to understand how they 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 think and you know, was, you know back then uh, with Knowlton the philosophy is you were in Toronto at least once a month so I was you know living off of $1,500 a month and you know trying to make your way but hey I had to go to Toronto at least once a month and and so I'd go Monday morning, I would fly to Winnipeg and see Investors Group and uh, Great West Life and, you know, whoever else would see me. And then Monday night, I'd go to Toronto and spend uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday seeing all the institutions. I'd take the train to Montreal on Friday and, you know, see, see Standard there, see Case, see, you know, a, a bunch of the institutions there. And, and Saturday, I'd fly home to, to be with the family. And that was my life for 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 many years actually so um so then I, I started doing pretty well at that and got headhunted over to Collier's and uh, started at Collier's from 1991 to 1995 and then that's when uh, uh Nolan Realty got bought by Trode and um and Dave Young and Dave Forbes from CBRE uh days said 
there's no way I'm going to work for John Turode. So uh, <laughs> you want to you want to come and open up an Edmonton office for CB CB Commercial at the time, which then became CB Richard Ellis, which then became CBRE. So Dave Young and myself uh, opened up the office at uh, of Edmonton for CBRE today, and uh, two of us looking across the table from one another and going. I just came from a great career, five-year career at Collier's. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> but I've always been blinkered on industrial, and uh, that's kind of where I, I, I cut my teeth from day one, uh, basically leasing and selling industrial buildings right from, right from the get-go. So, When did you start investing? Was that when you went over to J.J. Barnicky at the time? Uh, no, no. I So that's an interesting story. Uh, so I, I probably put 80 hour work weeks in uh, my whole time I was at Collier's and started to make some really good money. Uh, you know, I was rookie of the year at Knowlton and then, uh, and then went on to, um, to Collier's and, and did, did, you know, pretty good there with a lot of the institutional clients that I, that I pulled over. But, um, uh, so, you know, every paycheck I'd kind of take, uh, you know, 25% and stick it in the market and 25% and throw it against my mortgage and then kind of live off of the other. So kind of save 50% and and live on the 50%, you know, less taxes, of course. So we lived a pretty moderate lifestyle for many years. But uh, so, you know, I finally kind of got out from under 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 debt, under my my school debt, uh, university debt, and all that kind of stuff, and started putting money into the markets. And finally got uh, got married in 1993, and kind of got out from under that, and decided, hey, you know what? I finally put some money in the stock market, and you know, I got my mortgage almost paid off, and life was pretty good. About that was about 1994, 1995. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to take the family for a nice holiday. We went to we went to Hawaii for like two and a half weeks. And I came home from that holiday in Hawaii and pretty much about 50 to 60% of my stock portfolio got wiped right out. Oh. Um, there was a company called uh, the good old Letty's uh, 360 Networks. It went from whatever dollars a share to nothing. And another one called Philip Services where the – the president absconded with, I think it was $30 million in copper and went off to somewhere, I think in Italy. And, and then another one called Loan Group, which is in the funeral home services. They got a class action lawsuit against them or anti-combines lawsuit or something in the U.S. that they lost. And their stock went from $50 a share to almost nothing, right? You know, so... So I was crying in my spilt milk, and and uh, it was my dad that, that turned around and said, uh, "Well, are you any good at what you do?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, pretty good, you know, I guess." You know, you, you kind of try to be humble, but uh, uh, he says, "Well, what, stop spending, putting money in the stock market, invest in what you know." And so, pretty simple advice, and kind of started to scratch my head, and so I. I kind of retreated to the basement and I wrote out a business plan. I think right, right then and there, back then a big thing was mutual funds, mutual fund, this mutual fund, that everything was all about mutual funds. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start a mutual fund of buildings and I want to buy one building a year. And my dream portfolio would be to own 10 single tenant buildings and create a mutual fund of buildings. And I'd rather own 10% of 10 buildings with a bunch of friends and family. And and, and, and so that's what I set my path uh, on. I bought about my first building in 1995. And and I had a goal of, rather than putting money in the stock market, I'd, I'd buy a building once a year. And just group of, find a group of buddies and said, okay, you know, I need to raise a million bucks. Who wants in? And boom, 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 boom. And, and basically just focused on what I knew and, and stayed in my, you know, kept in my lane and stuck to my knitting, you know, all these old sayings. But, uh, um, yeah, I just uh, focused and just picked up a building a year. Every year I just stayed very, very focused on industrial all the way through. And, uh, and that's kind of where I got my, my start. 
where where did you make the decision that you had had a big enough of a portfolio and enough cash flow coming in that you could actually focus on that full time? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, it's it's ha- it's having critical mass, uh, and for me that was about a million square feet. Uh, but at the same token, I was a pretty good broker, uh, and and you know business. You know, I was in my 40s, and and business was was pretty easy for me to come by. Uh, you know, I worked at worked at the game for 10, 12, 15 years, and uh, and so I was doing very very well as a as an industrial broker, and uh, you know, it's always kind of top three in the in our in our certainly in our office and in the city. So. You know, when you're making really good money and you got a young family, and it's like, okay, I'm going to just quit all this and I'm going to focus on on uh, on on you know on buying my own buildings. And, and so it wasn't until I probably should have got out about out of brokerage probably three or four years earlier than than I did, but I, I kind of stuck it through stuck through it because um, because making money at the time and brokerage was. For me, was 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 pretty easy. I guess easy. You know, it's hard to walk away from a sizable commissions. You know, base when you when you just it just flows pretty freely. You're pretty good when you're when you're good at it, right? So you take many 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 years to hone your skills, and then and then just to walk away from it was 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 tough. But for me, that was that was probably a little over a million square feet, and part of it was just a, a bit of an age thing. And you know, brokerage is a young man's game. I didn't want to work eighty-hour work weeks. I had a young family, uh, and I got to a critical mass that was comfortable, and it was okay. Well, how do I really leapfrog this and get scale and grow it? And I really didn't get scale until I left brokerage behind and just said, okay, I'm done with that world and here's my new day. And then I, then I created Camrock um, basically in 2011 and raised a bunch of money and, and kind of went went hard after it after that. And, and that's where I got real kind of real scale and, and scalability and, and, um, and size. Um, so it was, it was, it was good, but, Hundred percent, you know, or ninety-nine percent focused on industrial products, you know, in Western Canada. We went down to the states a little bit and did very well on a couple of projects. But, uh, but you know, stick to your stick to what you know and where you know it and what you know best. So I've always stayed close to my market. I, and I want to dig into how you look at properties specifically when something hits your desk and how you either do just the back of the envelope math or, or dig into it deeper. But even before that, I want to get more of your thoughts on going through some of those tougher economic times. So the dot-com crisis, you bought your first property set in 95 or 96. So you would have kind of kind of gone into that, didn't have as big of a portfolio as you do now, but I'm sure there was still some pressure there. And then the Great Recession, 2008, 2009. How do those feel compared to what we're going through right now? Some people might say it's technically a recession. Some people might say it feels like a recession. Interest rates are certainly cause for concern for a lot of people and making it hard to get a deal to pencil. How does this, what we're in right now, compare to past recessions? Well, you have about 15 questions you just rattled off at me there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean... uh, I mean, we, yeah, I've certainly seen a few market cycles. Uh, this this market cycle is is I think unique to the other ones to some degree. Um, it's largely driven by federal policy that none of us really have any control out of of, of west here. So, you know, as long as the, the feds continue to to spend outlandishly, uh, they got to control inflation by interest rates and and the related cap rates are going to follow. Uh, they have to. There's just no spreads today. So, uh, it's just it's just brutal. So, I don't know, back that up. Um, uh, yeah, 95 uh, was kind of the come out year for Alberta. Uh, they started spending $30 billion a year on oil sands. And so it just, it's been a, just a complete, you know, 
we had 20 years or better of, of solid growth in Alberta with the oil sands and, and you know, different uh, uh, massive capital projects that were spending billions of dollars. So that just that just funneled into both Edmonton, Calgary, Lloyd, you know, Fort McMurray, all the sub markets uh, very, very well. Um, so it just just feeds it across the board, right? So, um, and and the, uh, uh, the 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 you know we had very solid markets. There's a bit of a blip there, and I think '03, um, but not so much in Alberta. '07 when we had the the uh, what do they call it the, the the bond market the uh, subprime mortgage or yeah, subprime yeah. meltdown. I mean that that. The, the, you know, Alberta was still pretty strong through that. Uh, the, the trouble came on the back of that and the banks. So, you know, to get any deals, uh, you know, we had a healthy market here, probably sub 4% vacancy rate overall. But to try to get you know, a, a bank loan uh, in 2008, 9, 10 was, I mean, you know, you better have a huge balance sheet. Uh, to work through that, and and uh, and it's it's you know it's, it's just very very difficult, and and I think we're 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 there now on that in that scenario, um, you know banks all say yeah yeah we're lending money da 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 but try to get a, a you know today I don't know what you're seeing but to try to get a, a term sheet uh, that's that's an unconditional term sheet is one thing, uh, but just to get a term sheet, you know, before I used to be able to get them turned around in 48 hours for most of the institutions. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, now it's, now it's probably 30 days to get a term sheet. And then it's a conditional term sheet before you get a full commitment. And then you don't even know if you're going to, you know, you, you get a commitment letter and then you go to fund it and they, they, they change. You know, it's like it could be the day of funding, and, and they're they're changing the terms and conditions of it. You know, uh, you know, it's, oh, it's went to you know went to adjudication, and you know we, we, we can't we can't lend you that, right? You're just like, well, where this? I'm I'm closing tomorrow. What the hell? So I mean, we we haven't had that that you know that much of an issue with it, um, uh, but I, I'm certainly I'm, I'm chasing a couple properties right now, and. Um, uh, and, and a concern is is just how to get it funded because uh, the banks I think have uh, large loan loss provisions uh, in 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 their horizon and they're just they're not giving out the money real easy um, so their their spreads are higher uh, bond rates higher we've had a recent decline in the bond rate here in the last week but. Uh, uh, you know, certainly a couple three weeks ago, bonds were 440, I think, uh, mm -hmm. five year bonds. And, you know, pricing typically for my product was 190 to 220 over. And today, you know, some of the banks are quoting as high as, you know, 250, 260, 280 in one case. Uh, so that just tells me they're so concerned about their loan loss provisions that, that they're just not lending or they're going to make it real expensive for you. Um, so that's 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 a problem. So that's kind of today's market. We've, we're jumping all over the map here, but um, anyhow. Yeah, and that that was kind of my main question. If it, maybe I came at it from an approach of throwing a whole bunch at you at the same time and trying to get you to synthesize that into one answer, but that's that's where I was trying to get to is what's what's the pulse on the market right now? Uh, and I would agree with you. It's it's really tough getting any investment deal to make sense. Uh, the sales that we're seeing right now, it's mostly owner user stuff uh, because the the sellers uh, don't want a fire sale right now uh, into a market where cap rates might be up 100, 150 basis points from where they were two years ago. Are you are you a seller in this market, or you say you're chasing a few properties? How are you finding opportunities that make sense in this lending environment? Um, well, I I, I sold off a lot. Uh, basically, I started about eighteen months ago, and and we we got rid of about a million square feet, um, and. Uh, you know, which was which, which for us was was a good a good bend. Um, it was good timing. We were able to sell at you know sub seven cap, six and a half, six percent cap rates. 
which today I think it would be a, a, a dream for a lot of vendors. Um, you know, but but I just I just looked at it. Uh, you know, two years ago and go like our Liberal government is crazy, and this is just going to end up with interest rates. You know, getting hiked. I. I I, you know, if you would ask me two years ago, are, are we going to get hit with seven interest rate hikes over a 14 month period? I would say, well, you're nuts. There's no way. But that's exactly what happened. And, and for real estate to work, you need a minimum of a two point spread. Um, so with, with, with interest rates today in that six, six percent range, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to buy anything under a seven and a half, eight cap, depending where you're at. I'm talking industrial, a lot of guys talk, you know, everybody focuses on cap rates of multifamily and, you know, and CMHC loan rates and stuff. And that, that's a different world. That's not the world I live in. Um, and, and, you know, industrial is what it is. And I, I find it a very stable asset. Um, you know, certainly for Edmonton, Calgary, and, and it's, you know, it's a small market. I've stayed out of some of the small markets. Um, you know, I basically put in a parameters if I can't get to it within an hour and a half or a couple of three hours or a day, you know, I, I don't want to be there. So I stayed away out of Grand Prairie. I stayed out of Fort McMurray. It's just, you know, if you've got a problem and you don't have critical mass in those markets, then you're wasting two, three days to deal with an issue. And I just didn't want to be beholden to that. So, you know, kind of um, calories and easy because you're down there anyways, um, have family down there. So it's it's an easy trip and, and it's easy to get to. But anyway, again, we're kind of fading off here. So let's say an opportunity hits your desk. It's one of the properties that you're chasing or someone just puts an opportunity in front of you. What's your process for perhaps just quick analysis of it where it might be a just a quick no uh and then i got another two-part question i guess so there's a quick analysis on it and then if it's of interest to you what's your more detailed underwriting plan to, to determine if it's something you want to actually put an offer on um my my first look and i kind of coined this a while back is function first um so whether you got a a good market or a bad market uh, if you don't have a functional property you, in a bad market, you're the first to go vacant. Uh, you're the first to get shitty tenants, if I can say that. Uh, um, you know, so I, I, I pretty much always focused on function first is my mantra. And so that might be truck courts, that might be yard area, that might be, uh, you know, location, uh, you know, truck turning radiuses, access, you know, what kind of property is it? Is high bay distribution and the small bay distribution? Uh, is it, uh, you know, is it service industrial? Um, you know, a lot of people don't understand that the sub markets in industrial are, are plentiful. Uh, there's, you know, everybody groups it as commercial, which is brutal, but, um, you know, you call it industrial, but then within industrial, there's another four or five, six subcategories to that. So, um, so I, my, my first thing is I just, I totally look at, you know, what's the building look like ceiling heights, you know, function first of, of the whole thing. And if that doesn't, you know, and that, that comes from 20 years of leasing buildings, right. Uh, you know, seeing what works, what doesn't work, walking through properties, uh, and, and, and understanding, you know, tenants needs and, and requirements and how that might work for a multitude of tenants, or are you looking for a needle in the haystack? And, uh, um, you know, so that to me, that's, that's, that's the primary, uh, first asset. If you've got a building that's, 70% site coverage ratio with no truck training race, no yard, no this, no that, no parking, you know, low ceilings. Uh, it's just like, why go there? You know, it, it, there's what, 2,700 buildings in this market. I'm, can, I'm only focused on a handful of them and I don't need to own them all. So there's only some good ones, mm -hmm. right? You know, the secondary one is, as I don't mind buying empty buildings. That's where the opportunity is in my mind. Um, so, you know, what, what is, what is the opportunity? Um, in some cases it's, you know, fully tenanted, fully leased, you know, here it is. 
you know, that's probably more for the institutional investors. There's an old saying, right? Institutions are there to place money and investors are there to make money. Um, you know, so, so, you know, buying a vacant building, you know, fixing it up, uh, improving it, doing, you know, I call it the Rubik's Cube. You, know, you get in there and you, you do Rubik's Cube it and uh, lipstick and rouge. There's a million terms for that. But, uh, uh, you know, fix it up, clean it up, uh, lease it up, and, and then hold it uh, is, is, you know, and, and, and your term of hold can be various depending on the product. But um, that's, that's kind of my second look. And then my third look is it just, you know, pure price point. Um, you know, some people look at cap rates. Cap rates to me is, is you know, it's, it's maybe a very quick acid test, but it's, it's certainly not the be all end all. Uh, it's probably, I, I, I more look at, uh, you know, what is the lease rate? Is it reasonable to market? And what's my reversion risk? So, you know, I could look at an industrial building that's got a $10 lease rate, an $8 lease rate, or a $20 lease rate, um, you know, you know, is the $20 one way above market and my reversion risk. So I'm going to own that building for 15 years just to get hit with a $5 or $8 reversion uh, on, le on, on vacancy or le release. Um, you know, so reversion risk is, is, is huge in my mind. I, I just don't go down that path um, and because you can wipe out a huge amount of equity in, in a very, you know, quick stroke of a pen. Uh, um, so uh, you know, that's that's probably it in a nutshell, right? What can I do with it, and how leasable is it? How functional is it? And you know, um, tenant retention. How how sticky is a tenant? Uh, you know, so you know, is this tenant there for? You know, we've got I've got some great tenants that have spent millions of dollars to be in in, in their location. Well, they're pretty sticky. They're not going anywhere. Um, you know, as long as you're reasonable and you treat your tenants well, then you know they're they're, they're going to be okay paying your rent. And you know, it's, it's it's when you start trying to gouge tenants, they you know they they, they move for you know not unlike employees. Most employees won't move for money, but they'll move because they they can't can't stand you, right? So, um, mm. you know, tenants are the same. If if you treat them well, then you know then they'll they'll treat you well. Hopefully, um, you know, it doesn't always happen that way, but <laughs> that's that's you know that's kind of the words to live by, I guess. Just treat people properly and your tenants well, and and it all comes all comes to fruition. So. Absolutely. Do you have going to the subcategories of industrial? Do you have a favorite type or one that you gravitate towards more than the others? Um, I'm a crosshatch of, of a bunch of different ones. Um, so I, I kind of look at the subcategories as a diversification of my portfolio. So you know, uh, you know, say I have a wire company. Well, am I invested, you know, in that building, in 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 that building, or am I invested in that tenant? And I, you know, I look at it and say, okay, well, um, you know, I can I can sleep, or I can be traveling, or I can be anywhere anywhere in the world, and that wire company is paying my rent, and hence each one of those employees are paying me five cents an hour. You know, or whatever it works out to, right? You know, so, so, um, you know, it's an interesting way to look at it. But I, I kind of sometimes look at each one of those employees for that tenant as, as, in a way, working for me. <laughs> you know, it's, it sounds a little bit weird, but, um, but, but then you treat them that way and you treat them well, and and, and then you know, they, they, they hopefully stick around. But. Um, you know, the subcategories, you know, high bay, low bay, uh, service, uh, you know, is it warehousing? Uh, you know, I, I probably have about a 50-50 uh, cross hatch um, between all the different asset classes. But, uh, and, and that gives me a, a portfolio diversification within industrial. So that makes sense. You know, so, you know some, some of my businesses are, electrical distribution some of them are drugs some of them are you know uh 
third-party logistics. You know, some of them are, are service, oil field service, steel service. Uh, I don't have a lot of oil service. I actually got out of some of that, but um, uh, you know, it's a good it's a good cross mix of, of, of different tenants, and, uh, and 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 that way it's kind of like having portfolio diversification as you would in say a a stock market portfolio, would you put everything into bank stocks? Well, no. So you, you diversify amongst everything. So I, I look at my my individual um, warehouse portfolio as a little bit of a stock diversification of portfolio. Just by Going back to that idea. mutual fund idea from yeah, no, you your business plan. Yeah, yeah, tenant mix, you know, tenant mix and, and a mutual fund of tenants or or a diversification of tenant mix. So you're, you're you know, you've got, uh, you're not all exposed to 100% third-party logistics, for example, or, you know, IT or, you know, or oil oil patch or whatever, right? That you take a look at it and you say, okay, I got 20% of my portfolio in oil patch and service industrial. I got 20% in, you know, in third-party logistics. And, and so you can, you can, work through your portfolio and, and have a portfolio diversification through tenant mix. So mm-hmm. Have you done much in the development space or have you focused more on existing product when you're, when you're buying? I've done a little bit of, a little bit of it. Um, I built, built uh, some buildings, but I, I, I'm not staffed up. I, I run lean and mean. Uh, I, I just decided long, long ago that, um, I'd rather third party a lot of that, uh, and and quite frankly, my my um, my expertise is you know more on buying a, buying a building and taking it, cleaning it up, and and, and turning it uh, to take a, a greenfield or brownfield site and and build from scratch today. Uh, you know, you're you're two years of risk. Uh, I can buy an existing building. I can maybe turn it around in 30 to 120 days or, you know, uh, you know, depending on what you need to do. And, and, you know, it's kind of like the, the whiskey business uh, or the distillery business, you know, uh, vodka, gin, you know, is, is 30 days to cash flow. Uh, so if you take a look at, you know, warehouses, uh, your cash flow on, on turnarounds is a lot quicker than, uh, than, you know, developing a greenfield site with all the city stuff you got to deal with uh just all the development risk right you can go through a a couple market turns by the time you get a a building developed uh you know and certainly we've seen so much volatility and steel and labor and drywall and you know all the commodity pricing across the board in the last three years you know it doesn't make any sense to build a building today um you know it's 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 hard uh certainly hard to make the numbers work. Uh, you have to have a very driven tenant to build a brand new building and, and accept the correlating, cor- correlating lease rates to a new construction today. Um, and, and, you know, some, some guys are able to do it, but they have to do it by scale. You got Panatoni building massive boxes of, you know, two, three, 400,000 square feet and, and leasing at, you know, single digit rental rates. Um, you can't do that on a smaller scale. So mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. So you've sold off about a million square feet in the last year. Are you still in growth mode uh, or are you more in a wait and see what's happening mode until we have some more certainty on interest rates? Um, a little of both actually. So I'm, 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 I call it more of a retrench mode. Uh, so, so we've, we, we, we had a, um, 2012, 2013, 14, we launched a bunch of funds, uh, raised a large amount of capital, and then went out and bought, you know, a whole whack of buildings. And and I put 10-year sunset dates on that. So that was part of the investment strategy right from the get-go was was 10-year horizons. Um, so we 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 very much stuck to our our, our goals and game plans. So um, starting in 2022, we started to liquidate all of those initial funds and then 2023 uh we got rid of kind of the balance of them and today we're we're, we're down to just a, a couple of um of the general partner limited partnership uh deals um and then 
on those backs of those sales. I've taken those and redeployed those on a personal on a personal level. So started increasing my personal portfolio as opposed to my fund portfolio. That's just I'm getting old, man. I can't do this forever. And so, um, you know, so I started diversifying with, with, with different different other guys, you know, guys that I know in the industry and give them a little bit of money here and there and help them out and mentor a couple of different uh, funds, you know, both in Calgary and Edmonton here. And, uh, uh, you know, kind of younger guys and I want to do some similar stuff to, you know, what I did. And I just, I guess, uh, part and parcel, I gotten spoiled a little bit, and, and my hunger isn't as as hefty as it was say 20 years ago. So I'm, I'm not into working 80 hour work weeks anymore. I'm more into holidaying for 80 hours a work week, and maybe working five to 10 hours a work week. You know, so. Well, you've you've definitely earned it. Yeah. What's what's your general message right now then to guys that you're mentoring? How, do you have like a, a something that you're saying consistently to them or is it case by case basis, opportunity by opportunity? I, you know what? I, it's, it's more case by case. I'm going to say, um, you know, I love, I love helping guys out that say, Hey, I got a property. What do I do with it? You know? And you kind of look at it and, you know, so many guys get dreamy eyed and they just want to, and it's just, you know, and then you kind of look at it and go, okay, really? But, you know that doesn't work you know and you know maybe it's it's age maybe it's experience but you kind of look at you know too much of the negative and then you got guys that just want to go and they want to buy stuff like and you kind of look at it and go well, you're going to get hurt on that one right and sure enough it's happened in a couple of situations here and and but sometimes you know high water floats all boats as they say and but i i think with interest rates that's going to that's going to change the market drastically so you know guys that bought two three years ago and you know they didn't care so much about function or ceiling heights or this or that they're able to put a little bit of paint on it and and clean it up and, and maybe sell it for a profit and and i think that ship has sailed today with interest rates and and the difficulty for financing uh you know getting capital uh you know uh, loan to values you know the, the banks are underwriting at, at safe rates that are way higher than than even current interest rates so you know you, you better have your you know your your low loan to value probably 50 percent maybe on a good day 60% loan to value on some stuff um, and that's I think why multifamily is still so popular is because the, the government is, is helping to support that right and uh, and basically falsify that economy because of the housing shortage sorry I just got my teeth done so a little bit uh, a little bit, uh, whatever. It hurts. <laughs> Anybody who's had braces before, it hurts. So you got them tightened. I got them all clamped down this morning. <laughs> so, you know. So, are you still bullish on on industrial? If you could go back ten years, what were yeah ten years when you were did that big raise last, and you could put yourself today, still as bullish on what the next ten years looks like in industrial, or is there more headwinds? I well, there's so much going on in the world right now. Uh, bond markets. Uh, we heading to a world war. Uh, oil shortage. You know, is China going to short their bond market with the U.S.? Uh, you know, China's been buying billions and billions of dollars in bonds in the last. And if they go to war over Taiwan, well. Is China going to continue to buy those bonds? Or are they going to dump them? And you know, last I heard is is they're starting to dump. So that's going to that's going to change the bond market drastically for the U.S. and maybe for Canada. Um, you know, so so you know, if China pulls a, pulls all their capital out of the bond markets and redeploys it in other countries. What's what's that going to look like? And um, uh, you know, the oil oil situation you know we got we got uh we got one of the you know world's best oil supplies and friendly supplies and and you know and yet we have a federal government that just wants to absolutely crucify us so um you know i i, I think alberta's an awesome place to be 
Um, I think it's it's. I'm still very bullish on on industrial as as a whole. Um, but saying that, you need that portfolio diversification on different product classes, and you see that in Calgary a lot with a lot of high bay distribution stuff. Um, you know, so you just have to be careful in what your asset mix looks like um, and who your exposure is to. So, uh, as a whole, I'm still very, very bullish. You know, we still have vacancy rates of what's what are we sub four percent across mm-hmm. the board today. Um, you know, in in most markets, sub sevens, you know, a healthy market, and and we've been sub fives. You know, we had a small blip there during COVID. I think we were into double digits, but that was for a very short period of time, and and that came on the backs of you know, 2018, 2019, when when the Fed started their attack on oil. Um, you know, I, I I think it's poor judgment by a lot of the institutions that are that are racing, you know, racing for the hills and dumping all their product right now. I mean, there's so much product hitting the market right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sell my, you know, I'm in, I'm in, in a good place. And I'm not going to fire sell my product into the markets today just because the institutions think it's a good time to get out because they're off balance on their balance sheets or they're outweighted on their bond market or this or that. So they, what do they do? Well, let's get the hell out of Alberta or let's get the hell out of real estate. So they dump everything. And, and that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a mass exodus on, on multiple levels. Um, and to me, it's the wrong time to sell. Uh, it's a great time to be a buyer if you're, if you're capital rich, but um, you know, there's only so much capital go around. There's only, only so much to only so much to do. And I, you know, I, you know, I've been contemplating another large capital raise, but at the same token, I, you know, you know, I, I need a young buck to to run it because I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so you can take it over. So <laughs> we'll, we'll talk when you're back from Mexico. What what is your future? A crystal ball look like i guess for when we see a return to normal and there's so much like you said there's so many things out there that's virtually impossible to predict but do you see this being a high interest rate environment for a while or is at some point do you see retraction i i i think we're going to hold firm for uh for a bit but i think we're going to see higher interest rates in the medium term and then you know return to normal well what's normal uh you know we've 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 lived in a very low interest you know had the benefit of a very low interest rate um economy here for 20 years now i'm not sure what the exact number is but it's been many years and uh you know i i'm coming off mortgages that are two percent and they're being renewed at six percent uh and you know Fortunately, I'm in a good position on, on those, so it, it doesn't hurt me, but it's going to hurt a lot of people. Um, you know, if you're, you've got 2.7, 2. 2.8, 3, 3, I mean, I got one mortgage, it's 3.17, and the banks came back at 6, 6.7 on it. Um, kind of like, are you kidding me, right? More than more than a double. Um, you know, that that particular asset were less than 30% loan to value. So it's like, okay, well, that's just going to, do I extend the term or, you know, whatever, but, uh, you know, long, ta- long, long term, I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping that the feds smarten up. Maybe we get a new government, uh, obviously not a liberal. So um, hopefully the conservatives get in and, and change some policy around Alberta, around oil, around interest rates, around spending and inflation. Um, you know, is the U.S. going to get their inflation under control? Uh, you know, the debt ceilings are getting getting hit all the time. Uh, you know, uh, you know, they create wars to create uh, balance of power and balance of trade and, 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 and you know, monetary policy. And, and it's a lot of funded by war. So, you know, every time a bomb goes off, well, that's only, a, you know, $10 million for a small one, right? You know, so look at the Gaza Strip in Israel right now. Somebody's funding all that. So that's just the world churn of money. Um, across the board, and the more money gets spent, it just drives, you know, drives monetary policy across the whole world. So it, it's, you know, 
it's funny how we have heard almost nothing about Ukraine ever since the the, the Gaza conflict has started, which is which is sad. Um, you know, that, that it seems like that's that's taking the eye, you know, the, their eye off the ball there in, in Russia and Ukraine and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, you know, again, just back to interest rates. I I, I think. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking they're 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 gonna they're gonna come down a little bit in the next three months, and that's going to be largely driven by the bond market. So it's going to be, you know, dep- depends on what happens with the bond market in the next three months. But I I think with the sell off of bonds, it's going to be downward pressure on pricing, um, and and so you're going to see you're going to see that reflective in overall mortgage rates now. Are you locking in for five years? You're locking in for two years. You know, um, you know, or are you floating? Uh, you know, the float rates right now are huge. They're very high, uh, so you're probably not going to do that. So you're going you know, um, to bet on two years. You're going to bet on five years, and you know, I, I think in 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 three years we could have higher interest rates today than we, uh, than today. Uh, you know, but that's a total. Dart in the, you know, throwing a dart in the dark. Um, you know, it's it's uh, trying to crystal ball today is is very difficult. There's just so many adverse things going on worldwide, and 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 crazy monetary policy by all all levels of government. Uh, you know, until we can get our spending under control, then I don't think our interest rates will be under control. So, and I don't think we'll accomplish that with the current government. They they're spend happy, and there's no accountability. It's difficult to see a future where, with them in power, where we'll have any normalcy to even think of. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard. You know, I mean, ten years ago, you, you might use see the billion word. You know, now and again, and and today, it's there's no rhyme or reason to a billion dollars. It's it's. You know that's a thousand million. You know, I'm sure it's all not worth a thousand million. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, when you when you see government funding, you know, to oh, we just spent forty billion dollars, and it's like nothing. You know, it's just like well, someone's paying for that, and we don't have we don't have a huge population. We don't have you know four hundred million people. We have forty million on a good day, uh, and you know probably half of those are. And taxes, so you know if that. So, um, it's 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 tough to put a finger on it uh, for sure. I think I think short term we're going to be steady. Mid term we're going to be higher. Long term, uh, it's a crapshoot. But I'm I'm going to say we're probably you know we're probably a hundred bips lower than we are today. Long term. Uh, but that's that's not much reprieve if you're coming from off a three percent mortgage to a six percent mortgage. So maybe we stabilize at five. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, but that's that's kind of my read on things. Be uh, flat. It's going to go up, and then it's going to come back down. So with all the uncertainty and global turmoil, what's your base case right now for investing in industrial? Base case, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's just got to work. Uh, it's got to work financially. It's got to work functionally. Um, so, I mean, I, I've got an asset on the south side we've owned for 21 years, and I was just talking to uh, an individual, and we've in 21 years we've lost one month of rent. Well, wow. because the building has good function, good location, good this, good that, da da da, da. And, and and so if you, if you if you stick to you know if you stay focused on what works, um, I, I think you'll do well. And and today, if you've got dry powder and you can buy, you know, stressed asset for whatever whatever reason why it's stressed, um, you know, maybe it's flight to quality, uh, maybe it's just flight to volume or, or, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think there's a great case to be made where, you know, say you raise $200 million and buy 
you know, 500 million in, in, in buildings, um, you know, but you probably want to do that across the country. And, and you know, um, I, I, I certainly want to, you know, when, when we launched our funds, I was buying one to two buildings every month for, for three years, uh, you know, so, you know, 40 buildings later, you're, you're wore out. It's a lot of, to buy a, a building a month is, is a lot of work. Uh, and people don't understand how much work it is to buy and to sell buildings today. Actually, you know, you almost need to handhold the, the buyer when you're selling the building more so than when you're buying it yourself. So, you know, we all make mistakes along the way and hopefully you can limit them. Um, but on a go forward basis, it's, I, I go back to my original comment on function first and, and the asset itself has to work. And if you're buying it vacant, then, you know, what's, what's your risk tolerance? And then, you know, if you're buying it full, what's your, what's your downside risk and reversion risk? Um, and, and does it work today? Uh, you know, so, you know, that's, that's kind of getting in a nutshell and, you know, yeah, there'll never be an end of buildings, but there'll always be an end of money. So place your money carefully. I'll run out of money before I run out of deals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Well, I, I, I still had more things I wanted to ask you, but I, I don't want to go into too many different directions. So if you're up for it, maybe sometime next year, we could pick it back up because I want to do a deeper dive into that function first and, and really just explore ceiling heights, what a ceiling heights need to be, what about power, all these companies seem to have more power requirements going forward, a lot of that old infrastructure doesn't have adequate power. So if you're up for it, maybe we could do a deeper dive into this sometime next year too. Yeah, whatever works for you. I'm pretty flexible. So, cool. Well, I, I know you're heading out of town, and you're gonna have lunch with your your kids before you go, and then you're you're out for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, travel, travel lots. You can only yep. do it for a while. So, anyhow, one thing COVID's brought to us is is mobility of work. So that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, these, you can do these, a lot, these, a lot these, from these little things are yeah. a crazy ass necessity when when you travel lots, but they can manage to do a lot and accomplish a lot when you don't have to be sitting behind a desk doing it. So, you know. Yep, that's that is one of the features. Uh, well, so I won't keep you any longer, John. I really do appreciate your time. It's uh, I, I really enjoy getting to just uh, bend your ear and hear hear your wisdom over. 30 some years uh, in the business. So it's I really do appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I love your, uh, your podcasts and your show. I watched a, a few of them uh, here and there and I pick them up and uh, I, I get a chuckle out of them. You, you have a, a good array of, uh, of uh, topics and uh, really enjoy it. So hopefully your, your editors don't edit this down to three minutes and uh, and add, add a cartoon at the end of it so Harry, enjoy your show keep up the great work you're doing an awesome job thanks john much appreciated